Hello, and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, sci-fi, and horror novels. I'm Chad. And I'm Evan. And you're listening to The Friday Forge, a weekly episode where we dismantle short stories, smelt bookish ideas, and hammer out topics brought forth by the Book Reviews Kill community. And we're going to keep this one fairly short today because I still have COVID. I just retested and I'm still positive. Uh, I'm kind of sick. I'm feeling a lot better this time around. I don't know if I'm in like some kind of eye of the storm or something, but I was fully prepared to do it alone. This is this is a major like display of how much affection Evan has and dedication he has in his heart because like he has COVID right now and I was fully willing to do it alone. I didn't want to, but I could have. And he was like, "This show must go on." So <laughs> this doesn't—it doesn't feel as bad. The, like that week of hell that I had back in like December, January—that was really, really you horrible. Were that was that was really bad. Uh, and then, yeah, for some reason, um, this—I guess this strange isn't as bad or something. But I, you know, have a headache. I've got a cough and stuffy nose and all that stuff. But I don't. I don't. I'm not you sound like, pretty good. Yeah, I'm not like drifting in and out of consciousness for like days on end. Like you know? not like Evan. Like okay, guys, let's like yeah. you know, you sound pretty good. <clears throat> but I definitely do want to kind of keep Look it like shit. No, <laughs> fairly... <laughs> uh, yeah, I want to keep it kind of short and then uh, get back to I was reading a decent amount today, but I was also watching Better Call Saul, which is uh, it's all right. This is going to be like a super first worldly sort of problem uh, statement. But like reading requires more energy than TV, you know, and sometimes you're like I just can't do it, even though it's like so easy to like drift your eyes. You know? Oh, yeah. TV is super easy. No, I've been into it. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading The Expanse, and that's kind of taken me far away from everything, which is really nice. And Spear Cuts Through Water, I'm almost finished with that. And and um, that is magical. I decided to start watching Better Call Saul because I never really watched it, and I really like Breaking Bad. And, like, it's pretty good. Like, I don't know. Like, I I was expecting... It's, it's very engaging. I don't know if you've watched mm-hmm. it. I have the exact same experience as you, and I got, like, 13 episodes in. I was like, this is pretty good, but this isn't Breaking Bad. I'm into season four, and it's it's. Oh, wow. I'm done. I'm gonna watch it all. Like I'm definitely into it, and I like the uh, just like Does the it get world. Better? Yeah, it's great. Okay. Like it's really, okay. it never. It's just it's so much lawyer stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes I feel like I'm just like stuck in a John Grisham book, like while I'm while I'm watching it, and it's not necessarily to the show's detriment or anything. I'm just not really that interested in that stuff. Same. And so whenever it goes over to like. The stuff happening with Mike, I'm way more engaged with the show. And then it pans back over to Saul or Jimmy and all this other stuff. Going yeah, on. cartels over litigation every day. Yeah, I mean, I like Kim a lot. Kim is a really cool character. And I think that the show needed Kim for sure. She's yeah. keeping she's keeping that whole storyline. She's like holding that whole storyline up, in my opinion. But yeah, no, that's pretty good. I feel like with that statement, you just kind of nailed the reason for me. There was no like character that i was like yeah you know like when walter white started becoming evil i was just like i am so here for this you know and better call Saul is just like a very good show but there's not like there's not as many peaks there's not a, a spine to it you know like i don't I know i mean the whole thing is a spine right i mean it's like yeah it's just, it's just a much more like even keeled show totally like there's it's there's so many parts in uh, in Breaking Bad, where like a, an episode ends, and it's like, whoa, oh my oh god, my, yeah, it's very but stressful. Then, but with Better Call Saul, there's a lot of episodes that end, and you're just kind of like, yeah, all right. I mean, that's all right. Watch the next one. I mean, <laughs> I've watched Breaking Bad or tried to watch Breaking Bad with people who I was like so excited that they hadn't watched it because it's one of my, if not my favorite television really show. Good. I was yeah. like, I'm so excited to share this with you. And two episodes in, they're like, I, I can't do this. This is so stressful, which it doesn't yeah. sound like it because it's like, well, this high school teacher who's like a chemist, he yeah, gets cancer. Really you're like, <laughs> it's wild. 
But yeah, that's what I've been up to, just kind of uh, watching TV and, and reading and taking it easy and stuff. Since I forced you to do the prep work for this episode, being sick and all, uh, what are we doing today? <laughs> we got one question that's kind of divided into a couple uh, from H.G. Walk, who is one of our patrons and one of our Discord members. And H.G. Walk asks us, which side of the high fantasy slash low fantasy divide do you think Harry Potter and A Song of Ice and Fire fall? Any examples of other possible in-betweeners? Uh, so there's another part to this question. We'll get to that in a second. Um, there's of kind of a... Bringing in a third element. <laughs> there's kind of a broader question that I want to answer first real quick, which is... I, I've been asked this question a few times, and it's what is the difference between high fantasy and low fantasy? Oh, pick me, pick I've, me, pick me. <laughs> do you have that yeah i, I think i, I think answered I this on like a way earlier podcast but yeah i think um yeah go for it i've i've always thought that high fantasy is a world invented not of our own like invented by right. the author yeah. and low fi- fantasy is a world of fear it's like high fan harry potter would be low fantasy and like people are always like it's great though and it's like no, no it has nothing to do with like the quality no, of the book. it's not it's like low, low brow comedy world. yeah exactly yeah. um and a song of ice and fire would definitely be high fantasy Right. And then um, there's like that other kind of term that gets thrown around a lot, which is epic fantasy. Oh, that I don't know. Again, I mean, I think of uh, epic fantasy can be either high or low fantasy in my mind, as long as the stakes are really high. So epic fantasy is like the world is on the line. There's some or some really big part of the world. There's a there's a paradigm shift happening or threatening to happen. You know, it's a it's big deal so like legends and lattes is, is high fantasy it's a secondary world but it's not epic fantasy like the stakes aren't no. super high it's not like it's not like if the main character doesn't open her coffee shop the world is gonna end you know her world would have been devastated though that's my definition of it and i know that i've seen a lot of i don't know i don't know if there's like a real like <laughs> like legitimate definition of it yeah but i've seen a definition where if there are any armies fighting then that would be considered epic fantasy if it's what? not necessarily the state of the world or whatever. Nah. If, there, if there are armies fighting at all, then it's epic fantasy. I don't really agree with What's that. What's an army? More than seven people? Ten? I don't know. Yeah. I get the thrust of that argument, but I don't really necessarily subscribe to it. It's too watery and vague. It's hard to latch onto, and there's too many like examples of in-betweens that you can break it down. I'm really actually stoked that because you said it. I was like, I don't know what epic fantasy is. Then I was thinking before you answered, I was like, epic stakes, like world ending stake. I think like right. world ending only, not even like large paradigm shift, maybe, but like like Lord of the Rings, the world as yeah. we know it is. I guess that's paradigm shifting. Yeah, yeah but like totally. Very large. Uh, I'm glad that we're on the same page there because I feel like if we weren't, we would ruin this podcast by debating about it for hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd be happy to have the debate. I'd say Harry Potter, yeah, is low fantasy, but I wouldn't. I don't know if I would call it epic fantasy no, or not. I wouldn't. It, I mean, it kind of is if you consider consider like what the outcome of Voldemort like getting his way I suppose would be yeah. really bad for like and it's already kind of shown in the sixth and seventh books right where like a lot of like muggle infrastructure is starting to collapse and there's a lot of kind of like wide-ranging effects because of all that stuff this doesn't really feel like epic fantasy I don't know no it's just really bad outcome fantasy but I don't I wouldn't necessarily argue that it would have to be high fantasy for it to be epic fantasy no not at all <laughs> I don't know like that movie Armageddon is epic I don't know if it's fantasy. I don't know. I'm I'm sick. Leave me alone. Okay, so <laughs> the real tricky one here is when we start getting combinations 
of the yeah. two. And I think the example yeah. of this is Portal Fantasy, where you start in our world yeah, and then weird. like uh, the Chronicles of Narnia yeah. or somewhere you like start here and then go there. Like it becomes actually epic high fantasy, or at least the first one, The Land in Which the Wardrobe, because Aslan, I'm pretty sure, like saves the world, right? There's something in there. I don't know. By sacrificing yeah, I himself. A while ago. Um, but also a good example of kind of a weird combination of the two would be the Shades of Magic trilogy by V.E. Oh, Schwab, nice. where you've got like Red London and White London, Black London, Gray London, and they're all iterations of London, which are high fantasy, but then there is like the real London, which is a place that people go. It's like, I've, I've always had like a really difficult time kind of like categorizing that. I don't, I guess I want to call it urban fantasy sometimes, but for like half the series, they're not really in an urban environment, but it feels really urban. Define urban fantasy. I think I know what you think it is. Streets and buildings. And yeah, like, sure. like a Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom, I would consider urban fantasy totally there's not like cars and street lamps and stuff like or i guess there would be street lamps but they wouldn't be yeah, electric but the image but... that comes to your head is like immediately there's like a person like doing spells on a skateboard and it's like yeah not that <laughs> i would consider uh the Greenbone saga to be urban fantasy totally me too but i would also consider that to be high fantasy and high epic fantasy. fantasy no it's not, I mean, epic it, fantasy. It's not it no. kind of turns into it towards the end in like a nah. way but no you're right yeah but i mean it's like armies and stuff like they're no, you're right yeah the, the stakes are pretty high but they're not that high. Yeah, yeah and i mean in every book there's like conflict and there's going to be like totally. the stakes are high relatively to the person the character but like you know is the people on the other side of the world going to necessarily their, their lives going to be ruined like eh, maybe changed but yeah i don't know categorizations are they're such a double-edged sword because sometimes it's very useful it's very helpful to know kind of if you walk into a bookstore and you're like okay i'm looking for high epic fantasy i want a big door stopper with all I, that's good to know that kind of stuff but also it's so like when i was talking with fonda lee about the Greenbone saga in our interview i asked her what she thought the categorization was and she was just like i don't know i don't <laughs> know i just write stuff man i don't know i remember right she said that it was pitched as an urban fantasy and that she okay. just kind of like went with it but she had never really considered it that which was interesting to me you know? it, well, I think by defining it yourself, you would kind of pigeon-toe yourself. Nope, I'm writing this type of book. And it's like, don't do that with the story. Just let it be. Because the real honest truth is like so many books flow seamlessly from one subgenre to the next. And like, yes, it's nice to like quibble and quabble with our friends about it because it's like, what's a soup? What's a salad? And like, what's, you know, it's just like fun. <laughs> but like, you should not like get mad over these things. <laughs> That's funny that you said get mad because I was just reading about like this collection of interviews from Kurt Vonnegut and I was reading through that and uh, he said something to the effect of getting mad about art is the same thing as getting mad about a hot fudge sundae yes <laughs> it's like that's like the perfect line it's just so something that vonnegut would say yes and it's hard not to sometimes because it's we're all really passionate about it right because art is an emotional thing but definitely you know keep ourselves in check here because... well i mean i get asked every now and then like what crosses the line between fantasy and uh, science fiction you know because i mean you that's could consider yeah this is difficult because science fiction that's got like a little bit more like water under it you know what I mean? Like it, it's it's science fiction. Like okay, but with fantasy, it's every like, science fiction book a fantasy. You know what I mean? Totally. Like what's Star Wars? I would say fantasy. Yeah, I mean it's, it's got, space wizards. Yeah, I mean Star Wars isn't really sciency. No, not at all. It's metachlorians. They have magic. After watching and reading The Expanse, it's funny if you like go check out some Star Wars stuff. They're like, all right, we're just gonna throw it into hyperdrive, and it, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they don't need the crash couches. They don't need the injections or anything. No. They're just totally fine. Like every planet has the exact same gravity, you know. And <laughs> ecosystem. There's the desert planet, the water planet, the ice planet. Like that's not how it works. Nah, it's not. See, that's the other thing too. Is like, what do you need to categorize Star Wars? 
as fantasy because it doesn't live up to the science expectations <laughs> of the science fiction genre. You know what I mean? Oh, geez, right. Isn't it the negative or the positive fact? Exactly. <laughs> like, like, do you need those definitions to fill those gaps? And it's I like, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you necessarily do. But it is really fun because um, I think that there is a conversation to be had about categorizing things is really cool because we can kind of assess a lot of the tropes and patterns that we've been seeing in fantasy and kind of... We can group. Yeah, we can group things together and then we can also, by grouping things together, kind of look at things that we're not really doing as much either. It allows us to analyze data sets. Totally. So there's another question here. It's like the third part of this question and then we're going to kind of wrap it up. But it was, uh, what are your favorite super niche fantasy subgenres? And that is a really good question for sure. This question is why sub niches very specific ones exist right because we're not yeah. going to fight about it we're just going to it's a it's giving us tools to be able to discuss it and expose each other to it by kind of putting in a category even though we all know that it could be put in 17 different categories you know so Definitely. it's like a little bit more of a a conversational handle to hold on to without being like you know that story about like wizards in space and stuff you know what's your first one i'm really curious this is kind of related to a lot of things that i want to see more of because i like them so much Same. but whatever the aesthetic is of the books of babel I, is it steampunk like is uh, it it's like so close it's so close to steampunk but it's not quite steampunk sumerian steampunk i don't know i don't know what it is but i think it's steampunk they get there on a train they have a blimp but like eh, no one's wearing like googly goggle glasses and yeah like... totally no it's kind of like a it's like a it's like a stepped down steampunk you know yeah um but i, I really like that it ends sci-fi yeah it does it's very very good um another one that I really, really enjoy, but haven't read too much of is Flintlock Fantasy. Uh, so that would be like a Powder Mage by uh, Brian McClellan. That first book is called Promise of Blood. Promise of Blood is the first book in Powder Mage. Yeah. Uh, Django Wexler's Shadow Campaigns is supposed to be really awesome. I have the first book here. And then I'm pretty sure Naomi Novik's uh, Tem Temeraire fits that as well. We were going to read those, but we're, we're going to re be reading Skolomance. Uh, later flintlock is like fantasy with a little bit of a boost in technology sort of su like subverting the middle ages type horses and swords and fire being yeah, add gunpowder yeah i think joe abercrombie's age of madness trilogy the uh, the sequel trilogy to the first law trilogy isn't that kind of flintlock ish yeah Barely. They're like a little bit more industrialized. Yeah, they're like trying and there's some actually like pretty funny events that happen because of people's like attempts and some of their failed attempts, you know, to make engines and things of that nature. I have one more like thing that I want to see more of that I really enjoy. And I know it's just it's a it's a book series that everybody talks about constantly, but like crustacean fantasy, <laughs> like what? Stormlight Stormlight Archive. I mean, oh, okay. everything's soaking wet all the time. Everything's like made out of shells and everything. You know what I mean? Like there's just. Yeah, no, you're right even the big dragon things are like yeah distinctly. like everything um i mean not Crazy. literally everything but i feel like uh sanderson's attention to detail in regard to world building especially with the way that he describes uh how everything kind of looks as a result of all these storms constantly blowing yeah. through and everything like i really like fantasy that relies a lot on the environment the, the, the environment and the setting that's why sanderson is so freaking popular because he does a really good job at that and like there's something so immersive about it, but I don't know how you would really 
say like what is that like vivid setting fantasy yeah, i don't know i love <laughs> I the know. station fantasy though i've never thought about it in terms like that before but you're totally right i mean even like the main characters right they like wear big armor that's like kind of crustacean they're basically um, crabs they're crab yeah, people they're crab, yeah. they're crab people i agree so much the setting is so important in a book like i literally liked the mistborn books less because the setting was so gray and after a while i was just like bored of looking at it in my mind you know how far into mistborn did you get i'm pretty Is sure it? all of them well there's like seven there's yeah i read the ones in the future where it's like very flintlock oh wow so you still like you electricity just... or whatever electricity oh, okay you didn't read uh the lost metal though right that's the newest mistborn book no i haven't touched mistborn in like four or five years so if it's recent or than that more recent than that then no i haven't read it i think we should read this the first trilogy at least they're amazing here. books yeah I, I really like the first one and then i just get tired of looking at i kind of like skittered off to something else when i was reading the second one but i think discussing them on here would be really fun it would be maybe that's like a next year kind of thing because this one would be great yeah to talk about on here it really wouldn't they're very popular and like relatable a lot of people would like latch onto that i feel like i feel like they've also kind of been the on-ramp to a lot of people for the fantasy uh, genre in fact okay so things that i want to see i kind of did the same thing of not like super sub niches but just things that i want to see more of in fantasy and first one obvious broken record i am uh sailing fantasy i just there's not enough we're gonna read the bone ships soon. yes we are maritime it's such a cool setting and like sea monsters are so mysterious and cool and like islands and shipwreck. It's just wonderful. I think one of the difficulties with writing stuff on boats specifically is you kind of like localize to one yeah. spot. Like I've tried writing a book that pretty much took place on one boat for like 80% of the book and it's super difficult. You gotta go places. Uh, but Trust of the Emerald Sea, like I, I think I mentioned it in my TikTok review is could have been a failing, but he, he managed to keep things exciting. But I remember reading it and I was like, oh, they're just gonna, we're gonna hang out here for a while, aren't I was we? entirely on the boat. I, mean, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's like okay. a lot of the book. Because if the boat's not really like destinationing, you know, then it's like storms, monsters, storms, monsters, storms and monsters, water running out. <laughs> then you've got like live ship traders, which right. kind of dances around a little bit more and is more in depth and doesn't feel like but then another good example of what i was talking about previously though is uh, scott lynch's second book in the gentleman bastards series yeah red seas and stormy skies or something i never get the title of that it's book close. i think it's red seas under red skies oh, you're right i'm pretty sure the first like third of that book is really interesting and really <laughs> cool like the casino part and everything and then they get out of the ocean on this boat and they're like on this boat for a while and <laughs> right when the wise man's fear is about to get really interesting because the boat crashes he just skips oh, over yeah. that whole part so you know that's a big failure on the sailing <laughs> on, fantasy on the other genre. end of it yeah <laughs> but yeah i agree with you i'd like to see more of that for sure totally and it doesn't have to be all on the boat i just like the culture of it you know another subgenre, or just something i want to see way more often is sentient items and specifically weapons like a snarky sword you know or like one that's kind of bloodthirsty and manipulates the main character into like being a terrible person by the end in small steps love that story that's happening in the uh, pilgrimage of swords series that i'm reading right now that's wow. like how the book that's why i kept reading the book is because the book started like that did the weapon kind of reveal itself right away to the holder or did it kind it's of... already it's already in the guy's hands like in the beginning of it did the guy know it was sentient though yeah yeah they've been oh, okay, they've been wow. together for a little while so it's oh wow yeah, and he keeps calling him my liege, and the guy, <laughs> the guy with the sword, his name is Pilgrim, and he's just like, "You gotta cut this out. You, you please stop calling me that." And he's just like, "Nope, I'm gonna keep calling you. It's really good. It'd be such an uncomfortable relationship." But I would love to see a book that kind of has that that character as the main one. Like, you know, there obviously needs a partnership, but like at least fifty fifty, you know, or like a magic carpet in Aladdin. Yeah, you know? doesn't that even would have be to say anything. Cool. 
seriously <laughs> he's just all tassel and we love him for it you know okay and i really like like country-sized animals like cities on backs of huge behemoths moving like the people living on them maybe don't even know that they're animals sort of size you know i really like that i can't setting. really think of much like that except for like mortal engines i guess yeah it's like isn't um, terry pratchett's world set on the back of <laughs> yeah that's very literally but it's just more of a joke kind of <laughs> i read one book and i cannot remember it so this is gonna be a useless point but i read a book a long time ago they got in like fights these huge creatures with cities on their back and it was like so awesome they like countries would destroy each other when the animal went down and then i'm gonna end with super solid underdark cave fantasy give me more of that yeah caves would be really yeah. see and that's the interesting thing is like how do you even once you start really getting down to the minutiae of like the settings and what these books are about the tropes that they entail like, like how because <laughs> I, I i even think like Gaslamp or flintlock those kinds of different descriptions of fantasy uh romanticy even then there's like werewolf romanticy fairy oh. romanticy do you so call sub, it like sub genre like pharaoh romanticy you know pharaoh uh, oh because they're feral right i was like egyptian thing like no no like fairies fair fairy, oh, fairy. oh god i was thinking you saying feral for werewolves because they're feral and i was like all right oh, that's a stretch, yeah. but I'll, I'll do it <laughs> but yeah i just like the cave setting is awesome you got mushroom forests glowing stalactites like weird adjacent versions of creatures like panthers that can like teleport you know or like weird things you know and then like the sensory input is different you can have creatures that see in the the heat spectrum and then also like listen by sound you can do like really cool picturing of places and describing scenes and the movement of characters by like echoes you know what would like you call that? that like cave just cave fantasy yeah just elements of a cave of cave fantasy yeah what if there was just a movement that was because right now we're in the we're in cozy fantasy right now. We are it in seem, cozy fantasy. It seems right like now. we are at least. It seems like as far as subgenres go, 100%. we've kind of kind of moved away from grim dark, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. grim dark, I felt like was gonna be around for. I feel like yeah, Poppy War for a minute. Yeah, I feel like Poppy War kind of put a nail in that coffin. Yeah, actually, uh, I feel the same. Uh, yeah, this is my opinion on it. I mean, I really like Grimdark. I'll keep reading it. But yeah, like some of it is just like, whoa, whoa. I feel like oh my God. you had like Mark Lawrence swinging in there being like, yeah. I can do it too. And you're like, okay, yeah. Dude, but like <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, you did it. I hate like they're terrible people, you know? Yeah, it's kind of how Poppy War was for me. If you go on subreddit, uh, the fantasy subreddit any day of the week, you'll see someone post about how they were disappointed with Poppy War and how they didn't like the Poppy War and stuff. And um, I think that some of that is kind of like the blowback from how much hype it initially got, which kind of always happens naturally. Really. then obviously yeah. people's opinions are super valid on it but i think one reason i'm just assuming you know i'm not in anybody's head but one reason i'm i imagine people really don't like the poppy war very much is because it's really dark and really like you there's no one for you to really latch on to in those books like you're you're very much like a distant participator watching this just this total disaster happening i, mean, I only read the poppy war i haven't I don't because I don't feel that way about them currently, but maybe that I'm just naive. The main character, Rin, gets progressively less likable over the really? course of the three books, which is a cool. I mean, I, that's why I it's liked it. I was move. like, this is kind of a breath of fresh air, honestly, because like like first law trilogy, it's like I like Logan Ninefinger is, you know, he's like kind of a piece of shit, but like you love him, you know, and like that's, that's kind so of much. the trajectory that a lot of grim, dark, like antihero characters kind of take. But then I felt like RF Kuang, like kind of took the idea of the anti-hero and like really made it an anti-hero like really made them somebody that is just like it's like technically doing the right thing sometimes but you just like really want to rip the book apart while you're reading it and mm -hmm. made for an engaging cozy fantasy 
is kind of, I, I think it's a consequence of the COVID-19 pandemic while we're staying relevant to how I'm feeling right now. I could not agree more. Yeah, I think that just like how like fashion trends have have changed very uh, radically in the last few years where everybody's wearing much baggier clothes now. Now they're? Yeah. Really? I don't know. It Let's seems like that. It. Yeah, baggy pants are back. Baggy? But you know? like 90s baggy with like, yeah. like baggy yeah. in like the knee area. Yeah, dude, baggy what? pants are back. Yeah, I think that still looks super lame. <laughs> I think it looks. I think it depends. The cargo pants are back. You know, I mean, those are just so useful. It's like how can yeah, you they're hate? the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know they never went out of style for me. Yeah, yeah, they never worry about looks. <laughs> you know, I'm never like like someone looking at someone in cargo pants and be like, I'm judging the way you look. Like they clearly had utility on their mind when they left the house. No, <laughs> uh, but yeah, with cozy fantasy, you know, um, I think after so long of like reading books about assassins and armies and invaders and like just mm -hmm. world ending everything's like just constantly <laughs> yeah now it's now it's coffee and tea and everybody being nice to each other which uh, i'm pretty into okay let's end with this give me sure. your prediction on what the next hot sub genre is going to be Beep -beep -boo, the evan future prediction oh my gosh i don't probably know probably one of the most qualified people to actually give i don't know yeah i mean i think uh we might have a bounce back from cozy fantasy into something that's not quite grimdark we might see like kind of a resurgence of like late 80s early to mid 90s kind of stuff i agree, I agree. yeah so we might see like the some classic adventure fantasy maybe i, I think With it'll twisties. be i don't know if it'll necessarily be that same kind of like reluctant protagonist protagonist uh hero's journey type no, thing no. um but i think it'll take a lot of elements of i think we'll go more into like way more dense world building and school school yeah that's never really gone anywhere though. it's gonna it's keep really... coming around every like yeah. two years and be like i'm still here and we're like oh we still love you yeah school is like like uh vanilla ice cream yeah it's never going away but yeah i think um in the next i think cozy fantasy and i don't know like like uh, romance romanticy romance stuff has been getting just even more and more and more popular all the time uh, i think we might see a resurgence or at least a surge of like historical fiction i think really people seem to be really into that kind of stuff yeah Man, um, that, I, that people, people have been asking me about it like constantly people have been huh. asking me about good historical fiction i never really read that much I dude never... tell them con at golden con at Gould. if you like fantasy hit con at golden he has roman genghis khan those series are really really good well we were talking about temeraire earlier and that's like a take on the napoleonic wars but it's got dragons and then you've got like bernard cornwell is like responsible for the the show the last kingdom and like all those books and everything <laughs> but i mean something like like patrick o'brien's like what about the ships that movie master and commander was named oh, after it you know yeah. what i'm talking about there's master like 25 of them movie. yeah that movie's really good <laughs> so good I like reading to the song that they do the the duet. Oh, uh, you know, they're called the uh, the Aubrey Martin uh, Aubrey Maturin series. Excuse me, but mm. yeah, something like that with like fantasy elements would be really cool. I don't know. It's gonna be interesting. I think there's gonna be a definite kind of like callback to much more dense work. I think in the next, I don't know, like ten years probably. We're gonna be in like a we're gonna be in like a grounded, character driven, cozy area for a little while. I think. I think it's gonna migrate personally into like a you nailed it with the character driven and just an extreme mixing of like classic fantasy with romanticy. And so yeah. it's going to have this like feel good romantic adventure vibe, but it's not going to be like, you wouldn't be able to say this is romantic or like this is adventure because it has too much of both. You know, I think we're going to get a nice blending of that because it feels good, but it's really fun. 
Well, that's a really cool thing about the internet too. And like the way that the whole industry is kind of progressing is before you did have these subgenres and you did have these genres that kind of, I felt, I feel like maybe the publisher or whoever kind of like had their hands on the proverbial knobs could kind of like set a lot of these trends. Totally. Um, but now because of like independent publishing and kind of just like the very, uh, very much like in flux way that people really respond and, and demand different things. The speed at which we share information too. Yeah. I mean, the, the spectrum is going to be as a whole, like a lot bigger. So we're going to see trends, I think, but they're going to come and go a lot faster and they're going to be maybe a little bit more niche, but it's just totally. like with fashion or music or, you know what I mean? Like uh, people thought rock and roll was dead and then <laughs> the strokes and the yeah, yeah, yeahs and Interpol and you know, they totally. just like tore it up and like the Walkman and all that stuff coming what out. What happens is you get like, a bunch of very big companies that kind of act as filters that all of this content gets pushed through and those they kind of change it and manipulate it to what they know is works and what's not risky um, investments for them. But then as we get better and industries evolve, information sharing is like wild and instant and you can just publish a book on your own. You know, those filters get, you know, first there was five and then there was 10 and then 20 and 30. And before yeah. you know it, it's like we have the uh, the proverbial fly eye of filters and there's so many and it's awesome. Yeah, I mean, like, look at the success of something like The Hunger Games, um, yeah. and then, like, the trend of dystopian YA fantasy that yeah. that birthed, you know, it was so much of it. Netflix still hitting that hard, by the way. Now, it's like, it's so tired at this point, you know, but it won't be, it, it won't be, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, this is such a weird thing with trends, because you can still like it, even if it's not in style, or, like, it in vogue, right, you know what I mean? Like, totally. it's, it's like you can still pick stuff up from the early 80s that i mean you could pick up xanth by piers anthony and like yeah i mean nobody's yeah, really like writing stuff like that right now but yeah i mean you could still get into it just like you can you know throw on a, a leather vest if you want to i wouldn't recommend it but if you think it looks good on you then Dude, rock it rock it some people can kill leather and it's weird how some <laughs> things have that and some things don't like you know i will always love peanut butter milkshakes but like there's not like a milkshake style that's in like <laughs> vogue right now it's weird that we'd like classify as a society some things that were like we're gonna push this at this time and this is the time for it and then other things like don't even get touched you know because they're all personal preferences but they get manipulated. It's weird. It's a, it's an interesting thing. What do you mean by peanut butter milkshakes? But like, what does that entail? Like, oh, are I'll you... tell you exactly. Three, three ingredients. Um, one of them is milk. Yeah. The other one is ice cream, and then the other one is peanut butter, not crunchy, because I don't want no little crunchy balls to be messing up my creamy experience. You know. Are you using vanilla ice cream and peanut butter? Yeah, either that or um, like a vanilla with like a light chocolate swirl mixed in there. That's fine, okay. but it's anything more. Cr crazy than that it's like we got too many flavors you know it seems like too much peanut butter i mean you can control the amount of peanut butter that you, but i right, put but a just, lot of peanut butter in there i like it yeah but i i guess it's like maybe that's just like a personal thing for me i just don't like i love peanut butter but I, it's got to be paired with something ice cream know? yeah <sighs> it's like it's like it's, it's like spread dude and like it gets kind of like harder in the ice cream and it's like that's why i don't ever people are always <laughs> like why do you mix this by hand and it's like a blender makes it way too like like not viscous and it evens it out too much. So I always mix them by hand. So you get like little chunks of stuff and it's real good, man. I'm going to, I want to make one when I get done with this. You should. Yeah. I wish I could yeah. have one, but uh, dairy. I just got some of that peanut butter frosting GIF. So good. I don't allow myself the awful sugar peanut butter often, but I've treated myself. <laughs>
Well, you should definitely go make yourself one of those. I'm going to go gonna, lay down. Dude, thank you so much for being a trooper and um, joining No, tonight. thank you so much, everybody, for listening to our conversation on uh, fantasy genres, which I could talk about for hours. Once again, we're like, this will be a short one, 40 minutes later. Yeah, totally. I know. It's just so easy to talk to you, and it's so easy to talk Same. for all of you listening. Thank you so much for being a part of this episode. Uh, look out for some more content here pretty soon. Chad and I were already a little bit behind on our reading. Evan's fault. And then me getting sick and everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, but look out for the episode for The Shadowed Sun, and then we're going to start up Scythe, hopefully next week, which would be so great. And then we also have episode seven of The Expanse coming out soon. Look out for episode eight and nine, where we round that out, and we'll be reading... Beer Cuts Through Water. Beer Cuts Through Water for the Patreon subscribers, Read of that. course. Also for May, we're reading uh, When Women Were Dragons for the Patreon. So that'll be pretty cool, too. That name has got me curious. Yeah, lots of interesting, awesome books ahead of us. I'm going to go take some NyQuil. Go get well so we can enjoy them properly. Love you all. I uh, hope you all have an excellent rest of your day. And of course, happy reading. Bye, everybody.